Welcome to the Loveland Libcast, the official podcast of the Loveland Public Library. Thanks for listening to the second episode of the Loveland Libcast. I'm your host, Daniel Tate, Adult Services Assistant Manager. Before we get to my conversation with Jay, here's the latest library news. The Loveland Public Library will be hosting a community conversation on Tuesday, August 31st at Mahaffey Park from 6 to 7.30 p.m. We are looking for feedback from the community on what type of library you want for Loveland. There will be food at this event, and you do need to RSVP to attend. You can learn more about community conversations and RSVP at lovlib.org slash cc or head to the events calendar at lovelandpubliclibrary.org slash events. And don't forget, the Tour de Trees cyclists will be at the Loveland Public Library for their lunch stop on Wednesday, September 1st. Tour de Trees bicycle riders will arrive around noon, and Professor Picklethorn, tree expert, will present some tree care tips live on Zoom at 12 p.m. in the Gertrude Scott Room. We will also be giving away free tree care coloring books for adults and free ponderosa pine seedlings while supplies last. We are also excited to announce that the Makerspace in the Loveland Library has a new Windows Surface Studio waiting for you to come in and draw with. Packed with professional quality software, the Surface Studio is a 28-inch full touchscreen computer that lays flat so that you can draw on it, just like a digital drawing tablet. Both the screen and the drawing pen have a high-pressure sensitivity, which is perfect for creating intricate digital masterpieces. Anyone can use the Surface Studio in the Makerspace. All you need to do is make an appointment. Call library technology staff at 970-962-2599 or email library.technology at cityofloveland.org to set an appointment or to get more information. We're excited to see what you can make. And finally, my conversation in this Loveland Libcast episode is with Jay, Adult Services Librarian at the Loveland Public Library, where we talk about Buzzwords, our monthly nonfiction book club for adults. Buzzwords will be meeting at 6.30 p.m. at Verboten Brewing on August 30th to discuss Devil's Highway by Luis Alberto Urea, and then again on September 27th at 6.30 p.m. to discuss The Spy and the Traitor by Ben McIntyre. No registration is required, and even if you haven't read that month's book, you're welcome to stop by and enjoy the discussion. With that, here's my conversation with Jay. Joining me today is our adult services librarian, Jay who's been at the Loveland Public Library for about eight years. So welcome to the podcast, Jay. Thanks. Thanks for having me. You're welcome. Thanks for coming on. Um, now, you are originally from Maryland. Yep. And when did you first move to Colorado? I moved west to Wyoming in 1996 and then moved to Colorado in 2002, I guess, it's hard to remember going back a quarter century, but I, I loved growing up in Maryland, but I think I always thought I would move west. We vacationed a little bit in, in the west when I was a kid, you know, went to California, did this sort of like typical American family vacation stuff, went to the Grand Canyon, went to Disneyland, went to Colorado one year, and I think it always kind of stuck with me. I wasn't like obsessive about it, but it's like the least surprising thing of like my adult life is that I moved out to some big western landscape. That was <laughs> I think, yeah. that, I think that was always gonna <laughs> always gonna happen. And I love going back to Maryland, but yeah, I, I love it. Yeah, here. I love it here in Colorado. So did you did you move here because 
you wanted to get out west or was it a job that came up? It was, I wanted to get out west under the guise of going to grad school. I moved out west and didn't really go to grad school. <laughs> I, got, I was I was accepted at the University of Wyoming and then it was just like, ah, let me take a semester off. <laughs> and a semester off turned into uh, like 15 years off before I went back to grad school. And I just sort of ended up, you know, I happened to meet, you know, uh, my wife who we've been together for more than 20 years at that time. So that sort of created some stability there. And it it's just one of those funny things where I didn't I didn't have a plan. I guess I just sort of packed up my bindle and, and moved west and ended up in Laramie, Wyoming. And here I am now as a grown-up librarian. I never could have predicted it. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I mean, it's funny how that stuff happens. I uh, grew up in Colorado, moved to Washington State for school for an art degree, and then similarly ended up in libraries a few years yeah. later just kind of i guess it's a magnet for people <laughs> um so when when did you first move near loveland you you came into wyoming and then yeah i was in colorado moved to colorado springs in 2002 um i was the manager of walden books which is long closed like so many other retailers so so about so it'd been 2014 got my job here and and moved up to loveland we we rented a townhouse for the first year that we were here and bought a house a little north of uh Lake Loveland, that's where we are now. All right. So you started at a Walden Books, and did that get you thinking about libraries at that time, or was that like a just totally different journey to get into? Not, not really. It, it, I mean, it definitely had an impact on the fact that I ended up in libraries, but it wasn't. So I started at Walden Books in Casper, Wyoming, because my wife got a job at the Casper Star Tribune. Her degree's in, in journalism, and she got a job there. And I needed a job, and Walden Books hired me. So that's how <laughs> that's how that started. I was just a, a, you know, a, a crew member, basically. And then when I got promoted to a position in Colorado Spring, because we were, she's basically a Wyoming native, and we were ready to kind of move to civilization. It's nice <laughs> up there, and I, I miss the the sort of open emptiness up there. But it it was we were kind of ready to move somewhere with a little more a little more. I yeah, guess is, yeah. I guess, I guess is the right word. <laughs> sure. So as manager down at Walden Books, I was still kind of just a job, but I thought I could I could do this. This is you know. Um, so I enjoyed working with the books, but then the the store basically all like 90% of Walden books closed. And at that point it was just, well, I guess I need to figure out what I'm going to do. And there was, I think it was 15 hours a week, uh, position, an open position for a shelver at the East library in Colorado Springs. And I applied. And I remember, I remember the interview clearly being awkward in that so I, you know, it's a 15 hour week position. I think it paid like 750 an hour or something like that. And I go over for my interview and it's in this windowless antiseptic meeting room with three librarians as I saw them <laughs> sitting on the other side of kind of a long table. Like what is going on here? This is for like a $70 a week job. And it was fine, but just the setting was strange it was like something out of like i i don't know some sort of like dystopian future 
novel of yeah it was it just felt strange that the interview took on this sort of like serious aura for such a like a small entry-level job but that's the only it was really I I mean my connection to Walden books made me think it's like oh well I I can you know I've handled books it's a little it's a little something a little check mark on it's like well let me go over there and I at least I'll make a few bucks a week until I can figure out what I'm gonna do and that was 2004 I think my first day was the day after Thanksgiving which I I didn't even have a concept of when you're a shelver the day after a holiday is a nightmare because people still return their books when you're closed. So they just pile up and pile up yeah. and pile up. And this is before we, before we had automated sorters and things like that. But I was just ready to go. And I, like I said, I start off working 15 hours a week as a shelver. And even then, it would not have dawned. It wouldn't have dawned on me back in college in the 90s. And still at that time, even when I had my foot in the door of a library, it didn't dawn on me that I'd end up going to grad school and it becoming a, a career. That was it, it. That was not something I would have predicted 17 years ago. And were you, were you a manager at Walden Books? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you went from manager Walden Books, shelving at the public library, yep. and then that just snowballed. Yep, it was just, just, it was just step by step by step, you know, went from like 15 to 20 hours and then they had a position at, that was a big, big library, much larger than this library. So we had like three shifts of like seven or eight shelvers, like, you know, like a morning, afternoon and evening shift. And they had, it, it wasn't really a supervisory position, but it was sort of like a, I think they called you the senior shelver but you just sort of made you just sort of handle the logistics you know the manager couldn't handle every last little person so you just make sure okay you shelve this today you shelve that today you do this task today you do that task today and then a a position opened up as a clerk at the old colorado city library and the clerk is kind of like the catch-all the 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 terminology changes all the time but you know it was (laughs) when you walk into a branch and there's someone at the desk and they do a little bit of everything yeah yeah. that's what that's what that that was and that's when it i was still only part-time then but then i started thinking it was like well can i just can i do this can i be a librarian like as my grown-up job and that's when i started thinking about maybe i should go back to school maybe i should think about what what this actually entails that that happened pretty quick after i got that shelving position i was at old colorado city within about a year so yeah so it, it would have been like within a year or two after i just happened to get that job just happened to open right after our store closed it's funny how things just fall into place like that so there's a lot of serendipity to that you know if the store hadn't closed if the shelving position hadn't been open and honestly the library was like a mile from our apartment so like well that's an easy (laughs) that's that's a bonus i don't have to drive through the colorado springs traffic to get there so it just sort of yeah like i said just kind of snowballed steadily at that point so yeah and it's just funny how things happen yeah and then you were you worked at pueblo Yep. Like as in archives? When I went to Pueblo, I was in the adult services department, similar where we work now, um, and then a position. So when I went to Pueblo, I was already going to grad school, getting my master's degree in library science. I, I went to University of Denver, and you have a focus on your degree. It's not like it's not like an official certificate or anything like that, but some people do school librarians. Some, there's, they have a law librarian one, and I was doing archives and records management. And a position opened up in the local history and genealogy department while I was working in the adult services department, which was actually just one floor up at their 
main downtown library. So that's how I ended up in in that department in Pueblo and archives and genealogy in Pueblo. It's a really cool town. The Pueblo population, it's it's just different from other Colorado Front Range communities. A lot of Colorado Front Range communities are people like me who move from somewhere, the Midwest, the right. East Coast, and, you know, I think the last census, Colorado's population went up 18% or so it's still one of, you know, one of the fastest growing states and the Front Range is all about that. I mean, anybody who's been here you don't have to be here long to see how things just grow and grow. Um, but Pueblo's different. Pueblo feels like a Midwestern kind of rust belty town because it is that kind of town. It was a factory town. It was a steel mill town. It was a coal mine town. And the people who lived there had parents and grandparents who lived there, which is the opposite of the front range. Like most of my friends and colleagues here, they've all moved from somewhere else and they're parents or grandparents, if they still have them, are back in Texas or back in Iowa or back in Maryland yeah. or back in <laughs> somewhere else. And it just made that that local history genealogy department, it was, it was a really kind of vital part of that little corner of the community of people who really cared about either their own family history or the city history. We had researchers in there all the time who were pouring through um, microfilms or pouring over uh, manuscripts and documents we had in our in what we called our vault. It was really just locked storage, but we called it the vault. So it was, yeah, it was, it was, it was great. It was really neat working in in a department like that. But the fact is that those types of departments and those types of jobs and archivists, there's like one archivist position for every what you call like for for every fifty or hundred what I would think is like a more traditional librarian position of being like an adult services librarian or yeah. youth services librarian or something like that. So it was, as much as I liked um, working in an archive from just a practical standpoint, that probably wasn't going to, you know, be something I could do long term. And I kind of missed the the variety and honestly a little bit of chaos of sort of a catch-all you know like like the adult services desk you get you, you get you get all sorts of people sure who yeah. come into the library instead of just you know, I, I i miss the in-depth like historical research and you know investigation now that i'm here but when i was there i missed people come in and just ask about a movie or you know something like that so yeah um, they're both satisfying enjoyable sort of parts of librarianship to in which to work yeah yeah and that i think that's a neat example too of how libraries respond to their community like in pueblo if it's like it is really important to track that family history and people being in the area for so long so having an archivist is like <laughs> a yeah. response to and, that yeah, and it's a it's a huge like relatively speaking it's a big big department like i, I think a lot of people would be surprised if you you know if you're just popping into the pueblo library I think a lot of people think, wow, this is all local history and genealogy. The whole floor is basically <laughs> wow. yeah. is, is, is that. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's a big part of what they do at that library. Well, thank you for sharing your journey in <laughs> librarianship. <laughs> we'll go ahead and pivot to our main topic today, which is buzzwords. Um, our nonfiction book group here at the Loveland Public Library, and it's one that... Uh, you lead and organize. Before we get into what's currently going on with Buzzwords, this is a nonfiction book group, and how exactly did it get started? I don't remember the date we started, but it would have been 2015, 2016. Our 
longest lasting book group is Read More, which has been around for 20 some years and continues to be very popular. But I saw that group as being a very traditional, literary focused, classic library book group that you'd expect to find at your local library. And I wanted to do something a, a little bit different in a couple ways. One was nonfiction. I'm a nonfiction reader. I and and at that time in 2015 or 2016, I hadn't read any fiction in years. I just that's just my personal preference. I I, I like nonfiction. So I wanted to do a nonfiction book and I wanted to sort of create an environment and maybe reach a, a, a different audience by having it off site. We started having it at um, Grimm Brothers brewery who were great they were really supportive um the only reason really we moved from there was their location was a little hard to find if for those who don't know the grim brothers are like brew house places back behind walmart and kind of a commercial area if, if you didn't know it was there you never you'd, you'd never find it but you should go look for it because they're because they're, <laughs> they're they're great shout out to there. grim brothers yeah they, they were <laughs> we didn't move from grim brothers because we didn't like grim brothers we just wanted a place that was easier to find and Verboten Brewing um, was willing to help us out, and we got lucky there that Verboten sort of took over the adjacent area after we were there. We were initially, we were meeting in the back where they actually have all like the kettles and the, I don't know enough about brewing, but all the gears back there. So dudes would be coming back there sometimes checking levels and you know, <laughs> whatever while we were in the middle of chatting about our book. And now Verboten has this great sort of room right, right adjacent to it where we can meet. So something sort of fell together fortuitously for us. But the, the idea was to do something that was noticeably different from read more they're not a hundred percent fiction but it's like nine out of ten of the books they read are fiction so it was a combination of wanting to do wanting to explore other books other topics in the group and wanting to sort of just kind of change the environment of a book group rather than you know coming to the library at 10 a.m um in a, a meeting room or classroom setting we wanted to be more social you know yeah. in in the in, in the evening at a at a bar seemed like the most social kind of setting we could we could come <laughs> up with and that and it's definitely it's definitely worked sort of played out that way sort of played out as, as i had envisioned it yeah that's excellent to hear um that combination nonfiction, different providing different genre for people and then the setting itself being a social setting that people are kind of already used to and used to having these kind of casual conversations with friends or family or whoever. Um, that makes a lot of sense to me. If someone was interested in being in a book group and maybe attending Buzzwords, what should they prepare for and what might they expect when they show up? Buzzwords is super chill. It's um, it's not the kind of book group where we don't have study questions. We don't, you know, it's not. We don't always stay directly on topic with the book. We kind of go off on um, tangents related to the book. The book often kind of acts as a springboard to discussions about like broader themes, things like that. So there's often times where even if you haven't read the book, you can still participate in the conversation because we're not just talking about like character development and how, you know, this certain protagonist 
for lack of a better term, got from point A to point B or things like that, like it sort of evolves into other things. And like I said, it, it's a various kind of social group, you know, regulars who have become friends outside of the group. So I, I would definitely encourage people, even if you're just curious you know, you've got a free Monday night where you think, oh, I want to go see what Buzzwords is about. That'd be awesome. Pop on in. It's definitely not critical that you've read the book. Some people don't say much. Some people kind of sit and listen, and some people like to talk more. It, you, could, <laughs> you know, it, nobody's going to look at you cockeyed if you if you barely say a word the whole time. Some people just want to listen to people's opinions on on things. But we'll we'll have a book like uh, some people probably are familiar with Into Thin Air by John Krakauer, which is about uh, was it ninety six maybe, but it was an Everest exhibition that went horribly wrong, and you know only like half the team came back. So you know we talk about what they were doing on the mountain, but then we also are bound to go, um, you know, like I set off on one of those tangents of, well, what are we doing? What are we collectively doing up on Mount Everest anyway? Why are we compelled to do <laughs> things like that? Has anybody here ever done anything? You know, nobody there had been on top of Mount Everest, but especially in Colorado, it's like, does anybody hear Summit 14ers? Does yeah, anybody yeah. do things risky? Does anybody race motorcycles on the weekend or something <laughs> like that? Because, you know, risk and, and the, you know, those sort of like that thrill seeking sort right, of behavior yeah. that that sort of became you know part of the conversation so it, it tends to go that direction where we sort of see reflections of ourselves and our own experiences and in, in some of these books so it it yeah it, def, it definitely doesn't follow a strict pattern of like going through the book from beginning to end it, it's 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 pretty casual, but it's not so casual that all we're doing is sitting there drinking beer. We're, st- we're still we, we, do, right. we do still chat up chat up the book. So I I, I think we found kind of the, the the perfect balance of kind of social and and informational. Cool. I'm going to since you mentioned a book that had been uh, read before, I'll just throw a couple more out there. So you all read The Gene, An Intimate History by Siddhartha Mukherjee. Yeah, I'm, I, I'm not sure. I, don't, I actually looked him up yesterday to think, how do I pronounce this name? And I'm not, <laughs> I'm still not. He's the same guy who wrote um, The Emperor of Maladies about cancer. Okay. He, yeah, that, that he's probably better known for that. But he's a super highly respected oncologist, and they made a PBS special out of that. So that that was one of the kind of the more like A-list authors, that A-list books that we yeah that, that yeah we that was a big that was a thick one that was like a five hundred pager. They're not we try <laughs> we try to be cognizant of sort of like the the weight in every sense of the book and not get too yeah too, too heavy yeah with it being monthly having a a reasonable <laughs> sized book yep. in that amount of time yeah that makes sense uh, Barbarian Days by William Finnegan Killers of the Flower Moon. David Gran, Bossy Pants, Tina Fey. So it sounds like it's not just within nonfiction. There's just a lot of directions you can go. Yeah. Humor, um, like you're saying, an adventure story almost. Science. There's just so many different things you can cover. And when we did, we did Bossy Pants and Yes Please at the same time. Um, Tina Fey's book and Amy Poehler's book. And one of the reasons we did that is we were we kind of realized that a lot of our this is probably true of a lot of nonfiction books but a lot of them were kind of downers <laughs> right like we knew everybody wasn't getting off mount everest yeah you know, when you start <laughs> right. when you start reading dead wake spoiler alert the boat the boat sinks 
<laughs> at the end, uh, like Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, we did one called, uh, named, the title was In Order to Live, which is about this young woman, I think she was a teenager at the time, who escaped North Korea, which was fascinating, but again, North Korea is not sure not not a not a nice place so we try so that was another thing we sort of tried like hey let's do something fun <laughs> where everything is a you know kind of sad and, and I, I mean i'm being kind of facetious but that's one of the other things we've we've brought up in the group is like how come so many of these nonfiction books are like not the best stories like if you walk down into the nonfiction collection we have a huge true crime collection yeah. for some reason those kind of like maybe it's the same reason people like horror movies i i don't know but those kind of those not nice stories for some reason, are are really are really compelling. Yeah. to to, to a lot of us, <laughs> right? And that um that actually brings up uh something else I wanted to cover is uh it sounds like collectively you all decide what you're going to read. So if you're part of Buzzwords, you get to have input on what kind of books you read. Or I I always ask the group. You know, I, I always give my contact information to the group, and we've got an email group where I keep in contact, kind of with our regulars, and always encourage them to give feedback about what they'd be interested in. What I think we're going to do, we haven't settled on this yet, but for the rest of this year, we're kind of cleaning up some of the titles we didn't get to in 2020 because 2020 basically stopped happening after. March. I actually think, if I remember correctly, the March buzzwords happened on basically what was the last day before everything went haywire. And we knew, like the governor had announced, all right, tomorrow this is happening, this is happening, this is happening. And buzzwords was basically the end of it. It was like our last <laughs> hurrah. Like, well, I guess we're not going to see each other for a while because this is shutting down and these mandates are happening. Um, so we, we've been playing catch up on those titles. And what I think we might do in early September, we might just have kind of a, instead of meeting to discuss a specific title, we might just have a discussion on what we read in parts of 2022. So I think what we what we've done in the past is after getting feedback and after having a discussion with my colleagues here um, at Loveland Library, we've picked 12 books for for the year. What I think I might try to do this year is I'll get about six of them picked. So because people, you know, it takes a while to read. We have to get them ordered and in the library and we want to give people a lot of lead time to you know read them at, at, at a comfortable pace but i don't think we need to be 12 months ahead of time if we just do six you know we get six books on the schedule and then add another six books on the schedule the december meeting i i'm hoping to get more direct feedback kind of have a captive audience about what you know whether it's this book would be great for the group, or we've never read a book that explores A, B, or C. So, right. yeah. So, yeah. The, you know, under under the umbrella of nonfiction, there's really, it, it's all it's all open. It's all an open possibility. Like I said, I probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be my first pick to pick a 600 page tome but if the <laughs> if, if the group was really enthusiastic about it, i was like all right let's it's, let's, right, let's yeah. go for it so so yeah it's all nonfiction. It, it's pretty much all on all on on the table okay cool 
And then I want to mention what's upcoming again. The next Buzzwords meets at Verboten Brewing, and that's 127 East 5th Street, and meets at 6.30 there. So the next one is August 30th, and they're going to be discussing Devil's Highway by Luis Alberto I'm really going for some names that I don't know <laughs> if I'm pronouncing them correctly, but I'm doing my best. We'll, we'll, edit, we'll edit this later. We'll edit this later. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> and then uh, after that, the September book is The Spy and the Traitor by Ben McIntyre. So Verboten Brewing starts at 6.30, goes to 8. Um, you don't have to register anything for buzzwords. You can just show up. So if this is something that sounds like you might be interested in this episode is going to come out on the 27th i believe so if you don't have enough time to read devil's highway or maybe you've read a little bit of it um you can still come and show up and meet the group and see how the conversation goes and did you want to i'll mention in case anybody forgets august september and october it's the last monday of the month um that that could change in in 20 like i said we might do an early December 1 to stay away from the holidays, but August, September, and October, the last Monday of the month. I know this will drop just before we do Devil's Highway, so if you haven't picked that one up yet, uh, you might not get that done by the by the time we meet. But like I said, that's okay. You can come in and, and talk about the themes or, or just listen, just get to know the, the folks who come to Buzzwords. That'd be great. Buying the Trader, I read about a year ago because we're, we're these titles are ones we were supposed to do last year, and it, it's I'm, I'm actually surprised it hasn't been made into a movie yet. It's one of those kind of, it, it really, it feels like a Tom Clancy book, except in real life. There's this like double or triple agent kind of guy who's spying on the Soviets, but the Soviets think he's working for them. And they actually got to kind of like spirit him out of the country at some point where they think his cover's blown. Like it almost sounds made up, but, <laughs> but yeah, it, it's, it's that kind of like a thriller. Basically. It is. It yeah. is. And that's what, yeah, that's sort of like what the critical reviews were like that. It was like a John Le Carr book or something like that, except, except for real. Right. Cause, cause it is nonfiction. Yeah. As far as, as far as we know, unless we, sure. unless we picked a book that somebody's going to get exposed for uh, uh, in the future, but yeah, all it like a nonfiction book that reads like a like a spy thriller. Cool, yeah, that sounds very very intriguing, and I can even read this little blurb about the Devil's Highway just for people who might be curious about that. So, the Devil's Highway in May two thousand one, a group of men attempted to cross the Mexican border into the desert of southern Arizona through the deadliest region of the continent, the Devil's Highway. Three years later, Luis Alberto Uria wrote about what happened to them, and the result was a national bestseller, a Pulitzer Prize finalist, and Book of the Year in multiple newspapers. So that's one you might want to check out. And I think the reason it was a Pulitzer finalist and why it was so well received, it's, it really doesn't have, it's, doesn't, it's not considered to have a real strong political lean. It's not about, it's not anti-immigration. It's not pro-immigration uh, or human rights. It comes from a bunch of different perspectives. It comes from the perspective of, you know, some of these, of the people who lived it, whether it's border guard agents or officials or the, the people who are actually crossing the border, that it, it's considered, a, you know, something that we have too few of, it seems like today is like, here's what's actually happening down there. Now you can sort right. of, you know, th think about that, not, hey, this is bad, what's happening there. This is great, what's happening there. We need to fix this or we need to change this. Like, here's what's going on if you really want to 
know, if you're really going to know. And, it, and it's, you know, the book's several years old, but I still definitely think it's, it certainly applies to, you know, a lot of the discussions we're having today. Sure. Yeah. It sounds very relevant. And yeah, it is good to know just what exactly is happening in certain places and in certain cases with different people. So that's again, August 30th for the Devil's Highway, September 27th for the Spine the Trader, Verboten Brewing uh, starts at 630, no registration required. And we'll go ahead and wrap this up with, is there anything any previous buzzwords title that you recommend people just read or is there anything that you i'm sure reading all of these that probably (laughs) consumes a lot of your reading but is there anything else that that you would recommend or a movie or anything um as as far as as far as a recommendation from a previous buzzwords my title that that's really hard to pick one 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 thing i know when i was thinking about our previous titles, one thing I notice is that a bunch of the ones I've read, they seem to fall into two different categories. They were either like informational, which would be kind of like the gene that you mentioned before, or they were storytelling, which is kind of like the spy and the traitor where it, it, and of course they sort of overlap, but Into Thin Air was a storytelling one. Uh, We read How to Change Your Mind by Michael Pollan. He's the guy who did Omnivore's Dilemma, and it was about using, um, like, psychotropic drugs as actually, like, in a controlled, healthy, medicinal sort of way, and and things like that. You know, we uh, we read a Mary Roach book uh, about, uh, it's called Stiff. To just about what happens to your body when it when it dies, like what whether it goes into medical research or right, yeah. you know, different not to gross everybody out, but like the different <laughs> ways they cremate bodies and yeah, things like that. Yeah, no, that's it's stuff that happens. So the, the last one we read was Just Kids, which was a Patty Smith uh, it wasn't a full biography, but it's just about her life with the artist Robert Maplethorpe. So that was another storytelling kind of one. So there's all there's not just different kinds of topics but i think it's sort of pretty obvious if you just sort of you know you read the synopsis of a book some of them some of them like i say they're more informational some of them are more about you know the storytelling of what happened during a certain period to certain people things like that so it just kind of depends on you know what you're interested in and we have we have a mix of books that a lot of people have probably already heard of like i already mentioned john krakauer we read anthony bourdain's kitchen confidential so you know a lot of people are familiar with him. I mentioned Michael Pollan. We read a book by Aziz Ansari that was about online dating. But then at the same time, we you know we've read some books that I never heard of or otherwise heard of the the author. We read one called Two Dollars a Day, which is basically just about how people get by on almost nothing, like you know people who get by on minimum wage and have to support their family, things like that. We read one called Shark Drunk which was about these Norwegian fishermen who wanted to try and catch a Greenland shark. Okay. I did. I, I, that was, that was not on my radar, but it was really interesting. So I guess, I guess I didn't do a good job of recommending one buzzwords title, but the fact there's just so many out there. And yeah. So, it's so many di- different sort of styles and different subjects. Come to the adult services desk at the library and we'll, we'll find a bunch for you. We've got, you know, we've, we've got them all uh, in, in the collection for you to peruse. All right. It does sound like it kind of depends on what you're interested in learning about. And then you all just have such a variety that you probably discover stuff along the way. And it's interesting for a different reason than this book was interesting. So that works for me. (laughs) And uh, yeah, thanks for being on the podcast, Jay. 
Um, yeah, great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, you're welcome. And we'll come to Buzzwords. It's yes, awesome. Yeah, <laughs> go to Buzzwords, and uh, Jay will see you there if you decide to do that. And that does it for the second episode of the Loveland Libcast, and I will talk to you all later. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Loveland Libcast. If you'd like to contact us about the podcast, please reach out to the host, Daniel Tate, at daniel.tate at cityofloveland.org. That's D-A-N-I-E-L dot T-A-T-E at cityofloveland.org. See you next time.